Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. As we sang earlier, don't tell me that he can't do it. Man, um, I feel like I don't even need to preach after watching that, you know, it's just like, it's good. How you doing? Awesome, awesome. Well, we're gonna dive straight in and uh, we're gonna just let God do what it is that only he can do. And so if you guys would just join me with a word of prayer as we dive into the scripture today. Father, we just thank you for today, God. Lord, we give you glory and God, I just ask that today you would speak through me that I would be a vessel uh, for your gospel and for your kingdom. Father, that you would receive all praise today, God. Soften our hearts, God. Move where you need to move. Uh, and ultimately, Lord, let your glory and your will be done in this place. And the church says, amen. amen. Well, good morning. If you got your scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me. We're going to be in two places today. And um, it's going to be real easy because it's only one flip. It's Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5. Um, and then also, I just want to give a big shout out. And my wife is going to hate me for doing this too. my. <laughs> To my wife, she just went like this. Um, she was able to be here and the kids today, and so they're excited, and I love her. Um, we, had a, we had a very interesting night. I won't bore you with all the details, uh, but it was, uh, I, I slept with my daughter, and it was, Christy's like, whenever you sleep with her, just get ready, and like every two hours, it was just, just in my face, and I'm just like, Allison Grace, and you know, um, but it was, it was a good time and, and we're honored to be here. You know, we've been in a collection of talks where we've uh, titled this series called Increase, A Journey of Faith. And really, uh, we're believing as a church that God would increase our faith, increase the measure of our faith. And through this, um, I, 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 you know, you hear stories like that. And I'm telling you, it just does something inside of you. It, it changes your perspective and reminds you the sovereignty of God and the power of the God that we serve and how grand he is and how great he is. And there's something that happens whenever we hear testimonies and we hear stories where our faith starts to increase a little bit at a time. And, and something we've been saying since the very beginning of this series is that faith ends up producing a vision from God for your life. And that vision from God for your life should produce actions that then align with your faith in your identity of who God has called you to be, thus bringing you closer to the will of God in your life. And so if you guys would just say that with me, faith, vision, action. One more time, faith, vision, action. And so I want to read a passage of scripture and all of this guys is um, on, on December 5th, we're leading up to our heart for the house offering. And what that is, is we're going to be sowing into the mission and the vision here at Res Church um, and sacrificially sowing whatever it is that the Lord may place on your heart for an end of the year offering to see more and to hear more testimonies like that and to continue to expand the reach and increase the kingdom of God. 
And so I want to read a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 4. And y'all can turn me down just a little bit. I feel like once I start yelling, it's going to, it'll be real loud for everyone. Um, Can I get an amen? (laughs) But this is talking about the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 4, this is what Jesus says in verse 26. He says, the kingdom of God, as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how the earth produces by itself, first the blade, and then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grape is, I'm sorry, when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it, uh, puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. I, I, I think that there's something you can look all throughout the scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, and you can see a theme that ends up happening um, around harvest times and sowing times, is that there's a season to sow, and then there's time in between, and then there's a harvest. There's a season of sowing, and then there's time in between, and then there is a harvest. And, and my challenge for us today, and if you're taking notes, this is the title of my message, is that in between space right there between us sowing and when the harvest comes, or us praying and when the miracle happens, or us believing and sacrificing and the family being restored, or us you know tithing on our future job and the job actually coming, is that time in between, and there's something about increase, there's something about faith that we've got to recognize, and that's this. And here's my title. You ready? Faith has a pace. Faith has a pace. And I want to show that to you in Mark chapter 5 today. And I'm going to dive right in, just kind of setting up the context. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. He's, he's going out and he's teaching about the kingdom of God. And anytime Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God, people are flocking to him and the religious people are getting mad. The Pharisees are sitting on the sidelines saying, who is this guy teaching about becoming less? What? Who is this guy teaching about giving it all away? Who is this guy teaching about humility? Like this is completely opposite than what the Pharisees were teaching. And, and so Jesus, he ends up teaching. And then after he gets done teaching, he's like, hey, to his disciples, I need a break. Let's get in a boat. And so they end up crossing the Sea of Galilee. They go to the other side. He lands on the other side. He just steps into a whole nother scenario. And you've got this demonically possessed man. You guys have probably read this. This is in Mark chapter Chapter 5, man has got demons all in him, and Jesus cast out the demons. The man gets set free because anywhere Jesus goes, demons can't be. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, and then they, 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 they end up coming out of this dude, and then Jesus tells the guy, hey, don't tell anyone about this, which I just, I just want to throw this out there. I think Jesus was smarter than what we realize, because don't you know that anytime someone comes to you, it's like, hey, I got a secret. I got a secret. Don't tell anyone. What do you want to do? You want to go, come on, don't lie. You want to go tell everyone like, hey, did you hear what brother such and such said? Like, did you, like, they just won the lottery. Can you, but don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone now, right? And, and you get all excited and stuff. I think that that's what Jesus was saying. He was like, don't tell anyone about this. <clears throat> go tell everyone. I don't, look, I'm not God, so I'm not saying that that's what he was saying, all right? But um, you can interpret it as you will or talk to Bishop Joe about that. He's here today, so Santi's off the hook. And so let's give it up for Bishop Joe. 
Anyways, so um, where was I? So anyways, so this demon, this demon possessed dude, he gets healed. And then Jesus is like, all right, let's get back in the boat. And so they go back over to the other side of the, of, um, the Sea of Galilee into the Galilean region. And whenever they get there, there's a crowd of people that's waiting for Jesus on the shore. Now, I, I think sometimes we think that the Sea of Galilee is really big and it's really not. It's, it's kind of just like an oversized lake. Um, and I wouldn't even say it's an oversized lake. It's, it's like if you're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, you can literally see like the whole region where Jesus ministered. It's really cool. It isn't that big. And so it isn't like a, a seven-mile journey on the other side. Um, it's just maybe a mile, mile and a half wide. So it isn't incredibly big. But this is where we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 5, verses 21, where we see that faith has a pace. Faith has a pace. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. I think that this is interesting, and something that I want to point out is that anytime we see Jesus, whenever he's in his ministry, that there's a crowd of people around him. And that crowd of people wasn't church folks. That crowd of people wasn't the religious elite. That crowd of people was prostitutes and outcasts and people that were demonically possessed and people that had issues and tax collectors who all the Jewish people hated, which I just want to throw this out there. I think it's interesting that non-believers loved Jesus. Non-believers loved Jesus, which means Jesus was probably a fun dude. And I just want to encourage some of you guys, have fun a little. And I'm, listen, I'm not talking about go out and sin. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's okay to laugh, you know? It's okay. It's like some of y'all are just you're so stiff and just like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And meanwhile, people are like, hey, how you doing? Jesus, Jesus. Like, Jesus was fun, and sinners loved Jesus. And so, um, anyway, so Jesus, this crowd is there, verse 22. Then comes, or then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, uh, Jairus by name, and seeing him, fell at his feet. He fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. Now, there's a few things that I think is really interesting about this passage right here is primarily the religious elite, the religious leaders did not like Jesus because Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God and the religious leaders wanted to allow Judaism to be kind of this political agenda that ends up serping the authority and the power of Rome. But Jesus came and he said, my kingdom is not of this Worlds, right? My kingdom's not of this world. And so the religious leaders, every time Jesus would start teaching and preaching and healing people, they would kind of sit over here and they would just get really mad and be like, who is this guy? How are we going to kill him? I don't know. You, how, you, you talk. You, did you talk to Caiaphas? No, I didn't talk to him. Jairus, what do you think? Oh, no, 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 no. Keep me out of it, right? And so Jairus's daughter, Jairus is a religious leader. His daughter ends up getting sick. And, and, and he's like, wait a second, my daughter's sick. Like, and I'm assuming he probably 
gathered the high priests, the elders. Let's gather them all around. They may have laid hands on his daughter, but nothing was happening. She was still in bed, still getting sick and sicker and sicker to the point that she was becoming um, lethargic and, and starting to fall asleep, and everyone was worried. And, and Jairus said, well, I've heard about this man named Jesus, and I know that there's a lot of people who I'm friends with who don't like Jesus, but if Jesus can heal my daughter, what can it hurt and, and we don't know the full context of this. Maybe Jairus was standing in the distance whenever he started teaching on the Mount of Beatitudes. Maybe Jairus was standing in the distance whenever the 5,000 um, ended up being fed. Maybe Jairus was standing in the, the distance whenever people were being healed. But for whatever reason, he knew that Jesus was a healer and he knew that he had to get to Jesus. See, this is something I think that's interesting is because Jairus had the faith of Yahweh. He had the faith of God, but he didn't quite connect the dots with Jesus. And then he started to hear and see what Jesus was doing. And his faith in Jesus ended up producing a vision. The vision being that my daughter can be made well. That vision ended up producing an action that said, no matter what, I've got to get to Jesus so that my faith can be activated and my vision can be fulfilled because this is the will of the Lord. And so I want to kind of just break that apart for some of you guys. Some of you guys, you're battling issues. You're going through things. You're, you're challenged with stuff. And, 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 and the faith comes only by God through Jesus Christ. And that faith will end up producing a vision, the vision that your family can be restored, the vision that you can get that promotion, the vision that you are much better than what people actually say about you, the vision that the cancer can be destroyed and can be healed in your body. And then that action ends up pointing you back to Jesus over here saying, I've got to get to Jesus no matters what. Two weeks ago, I said this statement, how bad do you want it? And I'm not talking about your Bentley or your Rolls Royce or anything like that, all right? How bad do you want to see the kingdom of God manifested on this earth? How, how bad? And, and what, are you, what are you willing to do? I remember being at a conference, this is probably seven or eight years ago, and this guy gets up and, and he's sitting there and he starts talking. He's sharing this story about how his daughter got sick and, and she had two or three weeks left to live. But there is an experimental drug out there, but it costs $100,000 to get this drug. And he didn't have the money. And so He's sitting there and he's saying, if your daughter got sick and it was $100,000 to be able to find a potential cure, what would you do? You would go out and you would start asking everyone. You'd pound on doors. You'd solicit your friends and you would try to raise that $100,000, right? And then he shifted it and he said, see, the problem is, because he was talking to a bunch of church planners, is a bunch of church planners are dealing with people who are going to spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell, but they're not willing to do anything about it because they don't understand the severity of what's happening in the spiritual realm. And then we found out that his daughter wasn't sick. He was just using that as an analogy to kind of pull everyone's emotional, you know, um, kind of get that emotional hook right there. But how often... Do we think about the kingdom of God? Do we think about the people that are in Sunset Park and Bay Ridge and Park Slope and we just walk by them without understanding that there is a heaven and there is a hell and that there is a spiritual war going on? 
that, that there's a spiritual war going on, and God wants us to be vessels of faith that operate with a vision and that our actions are in line with the kingdom of God. And, and, and so how bad do you want it? And so continues on, and he went with him and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman. So now we see Jesus has agreed to go with Jairus and they're going and they're walking to Jairus's house and he's his miracle is in motion at this point. Jesus is coming to heal my daughter. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in a crowd and touched his garment for she said if i touch even his garment i will be made well and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease and jesus perceiving himself that power had gone out of him immediately turned about in the crowd and said who touched my garments and his disciples said to him you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say who touched me And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So something that's interesting, we mentioned that faith produces a vision. Vision produces an action. And that there is a time of sowing, and then there is a time in between, and then there's a time of harvest. This woman's time between when she started sowing and praying and crying out for God to heal her, and the time that she received her healing was 12 years. Jairus' time was a few days. You see, I think it's interesting because everyone's time is going to look a little bit different. And and it's important for us to understand that in that season of waiting, we remain hopeful and anchored to the truth, hopeful and anchored to the scripture and to the promises that God has spoken over our lives. And, And you might be saying, well, I don't know the promises of God. Open up your scripture and dive into it. That greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Like, like those, are, those are the promises that are in there. And, and so I, I think what's interesting here, though, and this is where the tension starts to develop a little bit, is that Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house with a mission to heal his daughter, and Jesus gets distracted. Jesus gets distracted. And I want you to think about this. Jesus is sitting here walking with his disciples, probably at a decent pace, you know, just walking. And could you just imagine Jairus being like, all right, come on, Jesus, a little bit faster, a little bit faster. Speed walk like they do in the subway, you know. Last night I turned to my wife and I was like, am I walking too fast? She's like, yes. And I'm like, I'm officially like the New York blood is running through me. And I'm just like, I got to get to the D train from the two train, right? And, and, um, 
The best story was whenever I had to run through Penn Station and I literally like, chariots of fire and everything, fireworks. I got on my train, pouring in sweat. Anyone ever done that? Yep. (sighs) Then Ruber's response was like, welcome to New York, you know? And so, but, but Jairus, Jairus has Jesus with him and they're on a mission to fulfill the vision that Jairus has in faith. And so they're sitting there walking and as they're walking, as they're going, as they're having all of this, you've got this woman who is probably on her hands and knees crawling to touch the hem of his garment and that miracle ends up taking place. Now, what I think is interesting is right here you have Jairus's miracle being delayed as Jesus ends up fulfilling somebody else's miracle. And my question for you, Christian, is can you celebrate whenever Jesus fulfills somebody else's miracle even though you haven't gotten your miracle? Can you celebrate whenever Jesus advances another church even though he hasn't done that? Can you celebrate whenever somebody else gets the breakthrough that you've been crying out for or the promotion that you've been crying out for? And can you still put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ even though you haven't received what was promised to you? See, because oftentimes what happens is like scripture says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. But someone else gets a miracle and you're like, oh, that's so good for you, sister. I'm so happy. God, she gossips all the time. And you're going to bless her with the promotion? Are you serious? Right? Don't you ever... Anyone? Come on, let's be honest. We're in the house of God. Like, don't tell me you haven't done that. You probably did that last night. And so, um, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, but like, how often, how often have we, have we done that? But, but something else I think that's interesting is that if Jesus would have listened to Jairus, who was probably like, Jesus, come on, let's go. We got a train to catch. We got, we got to get to my daughter. Like she's, you know, she's sick. Like if Jesus would have listened to her and not been walking at the faith or the pace of faith, then this woman would have never received the healing because she wouldn't have been able to catch up to Jesus to touch the hem of his garments. See, faith has a pace. And I've got a news flash for you. It's not your pace. It's not your pace. It's his pace. And our response in all of that is that we have got to trust in Jesus. We've got to trust in the process. We've got to trust with what's happening in our life. And so Jesus is walking, and and many people believe that he was probably walking two to three miles per hour. And he's just sitting there. You know, I'm going to come back here. What's up, Andrew? How you doing? He's just sitting there and Peter's like, Jesus, let's go, let's go. Jairus is like, come on, homie. He's just sitting there and then boom. You know what's interesting about this? Jesus turned around and he recognized that the power had left his body and went into somebody else. Jesus turned around on the outcast. Jesus turned around on someone who was unclean to religious standards because she had the issue of blood. Oh, you ready for this? Jesus turned around when Jairus would have rejected her because she wasn't good enough to enter into the synagogue. Jesus turns around. Woman, and could you just imagine 
could you just imagine? She's probably weeping. She's got tears flowing. She might be shaking, and she falls at the feet of Jesus. Lord, this is what's been going on for 12 years. I've been battling this sickness 12 years, but I knew that if I could just touch the hem of your garments, I would be made well. So that's what I did. I crawled at my pace, and my pace connected with your pace. And whenever our two paces connected, the divine happened and the miraculous took place. Meanwhile, the religious person who's crying out for a healing for his daughter is watching this take place. But the story doesn't end there. This is actually where it gets really interesting. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So my my miracle is in motion. And in the middle of the miracle in motion, it seems like Jesus got delayed by somebody else, which is cool. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But my miracle's now dead. My miracle's, my, like, she's, she's dead. Jesus, she's, she's gone. Like, are you serious? Like, could you not see the urgency here whenever I came to you by the shore just a little while ago and I was, you know, sh- shaking and terrified and I'm, I'm anxious and, and Jesus, she's dead because you're not moving quick enough. How often, church, do people tell you that your dreams are dead? How often do people tell you that that there's no point of trying anymore? There's no point of going for that master's degree. You're too old. It doesn't matter. There's no point in praying for them. They're too far gone. They don't matter. There's no point in applying for that job. There's no way. You're so underqualified. And, And that's what's happening here. Jairus' vision of what could be through the power and the working of Jesus Christ is being stomped on and put out by those around him. Some of us, we need to check our circles because the people in our circles are stomping out the very vision that God has on your life by saying, in the spiritual terms, it's dead, honey. Just move on. Last time I checked, we don't serve a God who keeps things dead. Last time I checked, according to the scripture, he's going to redeem everything, including the family member out there who we think is too far gone. Verse 36, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, and I love this, do not fear, only believe, meaning put your faith in me and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw the commotion people wheeling, weeping and wailing loudly, walking into this room. And if you've ever been in a room after someone's just passed away, it is not pretty. There is wailing and there is weeping and there is emotion and there is frustration. And Jesus walks in, and when he entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion? and weeping in which the person sitting there is like she's dead 
She's dead. There's, there's no point anymore. There's no point anymore. The child is not dead, but is sleeping. Wait, wait, what? What? No, no, no. She's not breathing. No, 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 no. You have little faith. You have little faith. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside. And let me just say this. God's going to do his will. God is going to do his will. And he, he will either do it in us and through us, or if we're sitting there mocking the will of God, he's going to move us out. I'm just throwing that out there. What's not in my notes, that's free. He put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to them, and I'm not even going to attempt to say that, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. 12 years old, woman with blood, dealing with it for 12 years. 12 years old, woman with blood, dealing with it for 12 years. So the moment this person's disease started, this person was born. And God, in his fullness, through Jesus Christ. Man, you want to talk about the divinity in that. And they were immediately overwhelmed with amazement. And then he does this, and he strictly charged them not to tell anyone, which, there he goes again, don't tell anyone. What do you mean not to tell anyone? My daughter was dead, and now she is raised to life. Don't tell me I can't tell anyone. Like, Jesus, I love you and all, but you might be perfect. I'm not. I got to go tell someone, all right? And so, like... That sounds bad. It's like, is he telling us to sin? No, I am not. If that's what you got, then you got another issue. Listen, church. It's in that waiting period. It's in that time from sowing and praying and believing and crying out. And that time in between. And then the harvest comes. You know, it's interesting Adrian and Stephanie were talking about their baby. Um, Last week, I had the honor and privilege up in Albany of baptizing, baptizing a baby girl by the name of Camilla. And um, Camilla was a miracle baby on top of two other babies that we ended up, I said baptizing. I did not mean baptizing. Baby dedication. Wow. (laughs) Baby dedication. We honor of dedicating this baby girl, Camilla. Um, And two years ago, my wife can tell you, they were told that there's no way that they would be able to give birth. That the the wife had a surgical procedure done and there are some issues going on and they said, there's no way that you're going to end up getting pregnant. And they stood in faith. They stood in faith during that time and they said, no, 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 no. Like, my God's greater. And in faith, she became pregnant. And I think that their their baby girl's maybe five or six months old now, absolutely gorgeous, completely healthy. Don't tell me that he can't do it. Don't tell me that he 
can't do it. God restores. God redeems. Listen, I want to close out with this, and then I'm going to pray and get you guys out of here in just a few minutes. And this is just a practical for someone today. But there is a drive in all of us that is from God. There is a drive in all of us that is from God. There is a pace that God has placed inside of your heart, inside of your life, that is, that is fervently pursuing God and running after Jesus and going after him. But I also want to say this. There's a drive in all of us that also destroys And sometimes it's very easy for us to allow our own ambition, to allow our own plan, to allow our own desires to get in the way of God's desires and God's plans with our life. And whenever we are doing it in our own flesh and in our own way, that drive ends up destroying. There's a drive that destroys and there's a drive that restores. And the drive that restores is one that is lined up with the kingdom of God. Faith has a pace. Faith has a pace. And I don't know where you are today in your faith journey. Maybe you're like the woman with the issue of blood and you don't have a physical element, but spiritually you have just been beat up inside. And you feel like the outcast. You feel like you were drugged here this morning and you don't even belong here. You probably said something along the lines of, if I walk into a church, the building's going to burn down. Well, good news is, it's concrete walls. Maybe you're that person who you've been looking for so long. You've been desperate for so long. And you've just said, maybe, maybe if I just touch Jesus, I could be set free. I could be healed. I could be restored. Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you to do that right now. If you would, just slip up your hand. I'm not going to call you forward or anything. I just want to just want to pray with you right where you are if there's anyone in here. And for everybody else, my challenge for us all is that we, we trust in between the sow time and the harvest time that we trust the process. If you would stand to your feet, let me just pray for you. We're gonna sing a song and I ask the worship team to sing this song. And the bridge or the chorus says this, he's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. You know, I think a lot of times we look for God at the mountaintops, but it's in the valleys. That's where he is. And so as we sing this song, if you need prayer for anything, if you want us to agree with anything, if you're looking for an increase in your life, if you're looking for breakthrough in your life, we want to couple with you and we want to pray with you. If you're looking for a healing in your life, don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me he can't do it. We've seen him do it and he's going to do it again and again and again. So church, let's just lift up our voices and let me just pray for you. Father, I just thank you for every person who is here today. And God, I just ask that you would just speak to us 
right now, Father, in our own lives, wherever we are, God, that you would just minister to our hearts, Father. God, I just command in the name of Jesus for every disease and infirmity to be broken and bound and for the healing anointing that comes through your your blood to be manifested in this place this morning. Father, I just declare and prophesy that relationships are going to be restored, that estranged families, estranged sons and daughters are going to come back home, Father. That God, as we believe in a season of increase, Father, that as we increase our faith, God, that you would increase signs and wonders and miracles in your house, that you would increase boldness upon your church, God, and that the kingdom of God would be made manifest in this city, in this region, Father God. And God, we may be in a time in between sowing and in between the harvest, but Father, we decree and we declare that this time will not be in vain and that we will not allow fear and anxiety to hold us back, but that we will run with fervency, we will run with passion, and we will run with the drive that is given by you to the vision that you've called us in accordance with the faith that you've given us, God. And so, Father, we just declare your healing, your salvation, your power in this place. In Jesus' name, and the church of Jesus Christ says, Amen. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.